0: Welcome to Cruxcast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on CruxInvestor.com. So please subscribe.
1: Caesar Gonzalez here, the CEO, director, and co-founder of Sailfish Royalty Corp. Sailfish is a precious metals royalty company with assets in the Americas. We have a stream and royalty on a very high-grade open pit mine in Nicaragua. It's in production. We're receiving cash flow from that, and then we have a what I like to call diamond in the rough, a 3% NSR on a very large undeveloped gold project in Nevada and Pershing County called Spring Valley. And uh, we recently divested an asset, which we'll talk about uh, during this time. And we have net cash. We're in the process of declaring a dividend. We've been large buyers of our own shares through an NCIB and happy to be here with you today, Matt.
0: Good to have you back, Caesar. Um, fantastic. Saw you back in April. Uh, and we kind of went through, you know, some of the thinking that you're we going through. I think yesterday's news firms up certainly to me the intent. Um, so why don't we kick off with that one? But uh to Um, why now and why why only 10 million?
1: Okay. So the whole royalty, which was essentially a one and a half percent was sold down for 19 million US. This is on an asset in Brazil that has recently been sold itself. It was operated by Eldorado, and now it is going to be operated by a junior mining company called G Mining. And for the most part, this will be G Mining's you know, flagship asset. They had other assets they were working on, but this is gonna be at the forefront G Mining acquired the whole property in a structured deal, 20 million cash, a 19.9% position for Eldorado, and then 60 million in deferred um, you know, cash based on a production decision. So we sold a 1.5% NSR for 19 million against the 20 million that they acquired the whole project for. We liked the price, which is why we sold the whole Royalty. We sold it off in two pieces. The first piece was nine, the second piece was 10. The first piece was done earlier this year in the spring, we just closed on the second piece. And, you know, we're in the business of allocating capital. I think that's what any good CEO, what any good management team does in a company. And we thought we were getting a good price, so we sold. There are other opportunities that we're evaluating where we think we're going to get a good rate of return. So we'll deploy capital there. And as part of this transaction, we had no, we no longer had any debt. Um, we now have 13 million of cash on the balance sheet. We're receiving cash from the stream on San Albino. So a very different time than when we sold the first half. When we sold the first half, we still had debt on the balance sheet. We cleaned that up. We were getting close to the end of a normal course issuer bed expiring. So we very quickly bought as many shares as we could before that ended. Um, obviously, based on the fact we thought our shares were cheap, that's that's the first order. You know, we didn't just buy the shares because uh, we were running out of time. We bought them because we were running out of time and they were cheap. And in this go around, we have a, a buyback that we're that we're open on. But also, we've always had a vision at Sailfish to pay dividends to shareholders. We think that royalty companies, when they're able to. Should pay dividends as a, as a form of keeping management disciplined, as a form of returning that cash flow to investors. They have royalty companies have very high margins. And in other sectors, oil and gas and base metals, the royalty companies pay big dividends. And so we have decided, I put it in the press release announcing the close yesterday, that we are going to be. Formally announcing a dividend policy, so it's not out yet. I can give you a feel for what it'll be like, the size, um, you know, whether it'll be quarterly or not. But um, but it's coming. A formal policy is coming.
0: Right. Okay. Look, last time we spoke, you weren't quite sure what you were going to do with the company, right? So it was a case of it, you said to me, "It's not a big portfolio of royalties that you've got." It was. It, it was. Uh, so it would fit nicely into someone like a you know, a decent sized royalty company. And you're hoping to be able to do that. Those conversations didn't materialize. Wait, wait. tell it remind me why why not and why you've had why that's affected your decision making and going down this course of action. Why were you not attractive to other royalty companies?
1: So we went into the year wanting to do MA. We think that consolidation among the smaller guys, of which we consider ourselves to be, it's just the fact. You know, if you look at market caps, we think that the tiering is greater than a billion, between half a billion and a billion, and then everybody else is, is lumped in that last category of less than half a billion. And we're in that, that last category. To me, it's actually uh, means you have a lot of upside, but you have to figure out the best way to become part of a diversified portfolio, a more diversified portfolio. And the discussions about Token Tanzino, the two transactions we did with two royalty companies, Right, Metalla and a Cisco uh, gold royalties came out of the discussions about the broader MA strategy. So I was on the phone with Brett and with uh, you know, Ian and his brother Lawrence, m- not just about talking about TZ, but talking about everything. And what came out of it were those two sales. So I think that's pretty good evidence, Matt, that you know, when I told you I was t- wanting to do MA. Um, I was serious and there were conversations that were being had, interest in our, our not just the, to- the TZ, the Token senior Royalty, but in the broader company. But we can only do what we can do when we can do it. If, if one of those companies had said, oh, Caesar, we love your whole company and we want to buy you at a nice premium, I would have transacted. But, but, but if they like something in our portfolio that I think is a good price, I'll transact there. We're not one of these guys that it has to be everything or nothing. We do what we can when we can.
0: Okay, so when people talk about M and A, they're usually talking about acquiring stuff. You're talking about offloading stuff because it's let's let's be real, it's not your kind of core focus. You've got you've got makeup, which is a you know solid company, and we'll talk about it a little bit in a second. Actually, you're talking about offloading these things. You're you're now sitting with this recent income of 10 million cash. You're now sitting on what around 12 13 million. Bucks is that about thirteen? Thirteen, right? Okay, yeah. so good for cash, and that allows you to have a conversation around. Okay, dividends, guys, and can you give us a quantum on that?
1: Yeah, so I gave um, an earlier interview that's been going around where I said about a million a quarter.
0: Wow, great.
1: Um, you know, the way a dividend has to be paid out is on a per share basis. So we're going to do uh, you know, certain cents per share that'll add up by the amount of shares outstanding. For us, that number keeps going down because we. We are buying back shares, so it's it's hard to say it's going to be exactly a million, but it'll be close to that.
0: Okay, so that was the second um, uh, leg there, which was the share buybacks. You've been doing it for the last two years. I mean, not very often, but you've been doing it. What what are you going to do with? Are you going? How much of that are you allocating from your thirteen million bucks?
1: The share buybacks have always been opportunistic, and we we actually have done quite a bit. So uh, the tally through today is about um, you know close to seven million shares, well over six point eight. So we have been active. That was our only tool. Now we have another tool, which is the dividend. And this company was created. So you, you, you ask, Matt, you know, in M and A, we're only talking about selling. Well, that wasn't the case when we started this company back in 2014. Uh, it was an idea that my partner Akiba and I had. We were running a mining company at the time, and we saw some opportunities in royalties. And so we did the stream on San Albino, which was restructured at a later time. We did the acquisition of Token Zinio for cash and shares. We bought Terrico for that Spring Valley royalty. So we did M&A when we were buying and building. But now there are so many royalty companies. I'll go back to this. And we've talked about this before, you and I. Uh, I did an analysis last night of 17 of them in the precious metals sector to see who, who, which one of them were paying royalties and how much they were paying I'm going to do a slide for our presentation showing our yield versus the other yields. And of the 17, 18, including ourselves, only um, seven, soon to be eight with us, are paying a dividend. And it's if you rank them by market cap, there's a strong correlation between the ones that are big and pay a dividend and the ones that are small don't. So we're going to break the mold. We've been doing that since we created this company and took it public in 2017, 2018. So I'm comfortable with that. Uh, We're okay with the pressure of having a big dividend and having to um, run our business to support that dividend. Um, You know, it's, it's a way of working another way of working for shareholders of which I'm a large one. And my partner Cuba is as well. And we have our backer Wexford capital. So um, we're comfortable with that, but I don't want people to think, Oh, these guys are giving up and they're just selling. No, no, no. We, we bought when we saw an opportunity to buy, we sell when we see an opportunity to sell and the m and I'd love to do is a, a merger, um, you know, to create a bigger, more robust company out of it, and not just a sell, you know, to for, for cash, for example. Um, you know, we think that Spring Valley has a lot of upside that would fit nicely with some royalty companies that are about our size that are receiving good cash flow yields today, but don't have that growth on the back end. We've just started receiving cash flow from San Albino, so that's that's good. We're joining that club. But we have this big you know, opportunity with Spring Valley that it would be nice to couple with even more cash flow and then you've got a, you've got a real story, upfront cash flow and then a bunch of growth on the back end.
0: Okay. You, you talk about being okay with the pressure, right? Which is, which is, which is quite a statement. It's a, it's a positive statement. Um, but you're going to need some real discipline to be able to maintain a dividend payment of that quantum. I and mean, what, What's that as a percentage? I mean, it's it's significant compared to you talk about there be seven other, you know, royalty uh, payers, but they're paying like one percent, you know, that yeah, sort of level. Yeah,
1: they're paying this anywhere is, from one mean? to the high high. The guys paying of the highest rates, which you know would be like the Nomad, um, you know, Triple Flag just announced a dividend, and they're closer to two percent, but on average, it's around one, and you know, we're going to be at today's market cap with the kind of numbers I'm talking about—a million a quarter, so four million a year. That's that's going to be you know in the mid fives, so, oh. so north of five percent, which is is high. Um, you know, in the oil sector, there are royalty companies that pay five, six, seven, eight percent. You know, with commodity volatility, so it's not unheard of for royalty companies. Yeah, we're making a statement. Uh, we have the cash to do it. And we're not paying all the cash out at once. So if an opportunity comes across our screens, you know, in three to six months and or, you know, next week, and we can make a yield on that, we'll use our cash to to do that. And it'll hope and it will add to to supporting that dividend uh, where we get a rate of return rather than just sitting on cash on our balance sheet. So don't be surprised if you see something like that uh, in the near future, but you know this our mission was always to create a company that passed the cash flow through to the shareholders and i would love to have done more transactions it's just you know i can work in excel like any of these other executives and whenever i look at the numbers on some of the things that have been acquired i just can't you know i can't push myself to to those those levels to make those acquisitions um, which is, but, but, but those acquisitions have been done. One good thing that came out of this, all these royalty companies going out and being, becoming public is that they went out and found royalties from every crevice of every royalty owner in Nevada or West Australia or in Latin America. You know, these geologists or these families that had held on to royalties, they're all out in the public now. Um, companies that were squirreling away royalties, they've done these transactions where their portfolios have been put in the, in the public domain. And now it's our job as CEOs of these publicly traded companies to create value for shareholders by combining and creating these sustainable, large, liquid, um, diverse royalty companies like the big boys, which have been excellent investments over time.
0: Right, but okay. So I want to I want to be clear about what what you just said. So you're talking about if you see opportunities in one or two quarters' time, you we'll assess those. Does that mean you've got, you're giving yourself the option of saying, hey, we're not going to pay a dividend going forward because you are going to make this acquisition, which at some future date is going to bring in the revenue, which will allow us to reinstate a dividend again? Or, I mean, explain no, more detail. No. It,
1: it'll be a transaction that will support the dividend, so that it has near term cash flow.
0: Near term being what? Within 2 years?
1: No. Like right away.
0: Right. But they're more expensive. And you don't want to blow your brains out. You said you didn't.
1: It can be more expensive. You know, we wouldn't be doing something. We the default is to pay the dividend. If we see an opportunity that will allow us to continue to pay the dividend, then we jump on it. That's the that's the the hurdle.
0: The chances are in this market, very competitive market. More and more, you analyzed seventeen of them yesterday. More and more royalty companies coming in because it's it's topical. Um, It's going to get harder to win these M and A battles. You don't want to. Overpay, no one, no one does. So it's going to get harder and harder for you to actually maybe pick stuff up. Certainly the near term stuff because everyone's looking for that. So if that is the case, and you keep either keep your current portfolio or you, or you offload some of it, what, what's the end game for this vehicle that you've got? This you know sailfish royalty vehicle at some point is sitting there with not a lot of income and very few royalties. What are the options available to you?
1: Well, we've always talked. Uh, again, you know, you and I have talked about this uh, about doing M and A. You know, there are candidates for us to merge with equally sized companies. They, they've, uh, you know, struggled in this environment, same as we have. You know, it's, it's actually not been a very good environment for for the gold sector, gold stocks, royalty companies included. So I'm not too fussed about valuations because it's all about um, how we trade relative to each other. And uh, look, maybe what comes out of this is that uh, some of our peers get tapped out, and then our 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 view on actually acquiring royalties changes. I have an opportunity in hand, which is something that we um, have the ability to negotiate exclusively on. So it's not an auction. It's not. It's something that that came about because of our. Um, you know, the, the, the relationships we have uh, by our common shareholder, um, you know, we have access to this incredibly high-grade open pit mine in Nicaragua um, and other assets that are well within our, our sphere of influence. So um, we can get good rates of return, obviously it has to be fair for, bo- for both sides. Um, but uh, going back to your, your point about uh, what is this company going to be, it's what it's always been. You know, Cuba and I created it in 2014 opportunistically. We didn't say we were going to be a royalty company or a mining company. We are investors in the gold mining sector. And sometimes it makes sense to buy mines, buy exploration projects, build a mine, you know, buy a royalty, sell a royalty. And we're doing all of that. We've done all of that. You know, we've built two mines, one in Mexico, one in Nicaragua in the last decade. We've um, you know funded exploration in parts of the world like Quebec, West Australia, uh, Mexico,'re funding a heavy exploration project in Nicaragua along with the production from the mine funded by the mine. and we've done royalties. you know we're just investors in this sector. We're doing it through companies with a big backer, Wexford who we were both affiliated with, both worked at. and it's a different model. Um, it's not that unique. Uh, there are, uh, companies who have teamed up with the Orion group you know Nomad is their royalty counterparty they have mining counterparties um, I, I look at the Cisco group of companies they're very similar they've got a mining company they've got a royalty company they've got more than one mining company and uh, exploration companies and you know they're just, we're just entrepreneurial guys who see opportunities in the sector and we're pursuing them so um, it's very hard to put ourselves in one bucket and say, this is our strategy. Strategy could change. but For the time being, with our royalty company, we have sold one royalty out of our portfolio. It has changed the whole outlook of the company. It's allowing us to pay a dividend, um, You know, uh, tons of cash. We're receiving cash now. And if and we are open, as I said before, to M&A, but if the environment changes and we see opportunities to actually deploy capital and things, we'll go the other way. We'll start doing what we did since 2014, which is to you know build up the portfolio back up again. But right now, I think the best way to do that is through consolidation.
0: So we should expect a name change soon. Then
1: <laughs> uh, we've run out of Billfish. We're actually using the Swordfish name for another company we're creating, which. Uh, will be a Silver-focused company. And that's that's where Gavilanis our Silver asset inside of Sailfish is going to go into. And that, that's another um, you know, point I'd like to talk about. There are some Royalty companies that have taken exposure and operating assets. And, um, you know, a Cisco had what they now call a Cisco development. It's, an, it's a separate company. They still have a big shareholding in it. Uh, Sandstorm has their hot maiden interest, which is inside of the Royalty company. EMX. Um, they just did two big Royalty acquisitions, but before that, they were, I'd say more weighted toward operating assets versus royalties in terms of, of, of value. You know, They had a lot of exploration properties around the world. And um, you know, so it's not unique. And we see a lot of value in taking that operating asset we have in, inside of Sailfish and pushing it out into a separate vehicle and holding onto some stock, pushing out the stock to the shareholders. So... I mean, Matt, you're you're just talking to investor, an investor in the sector. We, we get involved in everything: exploration, development, production, and royalties.
0: Okay, L- let's. I wait to see what you decide to do do there, or how you decide to uh, announce that. Sunupino, uh, you, you, I think you mentioned a number: one hundred fifty thousand bucks a month. That they, they, they started officially what June for what well, July first. They've been at it a little bit longer. Um, that's obviously very comforting, but it doesn't—it doesn't go anywhere near to paying the, you know, the the, the dividend quantum that you've mentioned. So you're not going to be able to use that as a backstop, uh, nor indeed whatever you spend on on share buybacks. So you're putting pressure on yourself there. You said you're comfortable with it. Is San Albino going to be capable of delivering more for you? And what, what's that ramp up look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there are two components to San Albino. The first is the stream, which is equivalent to a three percent NSR. That's what we're receiving cash on now, and that is on the um, the mine that has the resource, where the infrastructure is right next to it. It's about a three and a half square kilometer postage stamp within a broader district that um, you know our team is at Mako has been very focused on exploring. You know they put out a press release earlier this week that talked about. Um, Las Conchitas, which is the area where we'll be our second production center, that area is covered by a 2% NSR. So not a stream, it's a straight NSR and it's only 2% relative to the 3% stream on the uh, three and a half square kilometers. But there's a scenario where you have San Albino, you know, operating at a similar rate to what it's operating, operating at today. And then you have Las Conchitas coming online at the same time the capacity at the mill in nicaragua is, is up to 1000 tons per day we're right now trying to get up to 500 tons per day we're getting very close i get the daily reports and we're we're getting closer and closer to being able to operate at that uh, on that basis on a normalized level and um, when those two are running at the same time depending on the gold price at 1750 1800 we get very close to having the cash flow to support that dividend but that's a static assumption on just San Albino. There are other things we can do in the interim to, uh, to try to backfill that dividend. And with the cash we have on hand, so San Albino covers all of the expenses of the company and then some, you know, um, uh, you know, we're running the company very lean I don't take a cash salary. Cuba doesn't take a cash salary. We have very few employees. It's a royalty company. It's not like we have to have. Yeah, but you take fees. You take
0: people. consultancy fees, right? So you you work for it, right? Don't you? No, no,
1: no, no. What we what we take there are consultants who are hired by the company. That that's not me. So if you look at our financials, um, what we have taken are bonuses that are used to exercise options. So, and we've made that very clear in our uh, last executive compensation file. And there's a footnote that says hundred percent of this was used to exercise options. So the cash comes out and it goes right back in. Um, so we consider that a non-cash form of compensation, you know, because the the end result is there's shares that are um, in our name, but we, the cash goes right back into the company.
0: Good You're going to uh, get we, dividends on them though.
1: Uh, exactly. So that's, right. that's good. Yeah. And, and everybody else who owns shares is going to get dividends on that. Okay. But, um, you know, we have a CFO, we have a controller. We hired a VP corporate development, Paulo Lestrito. They, all three of those do get um, cash compensation. Uh, Paulo is working as a consultant. So is Brian, our CFO. Um, in fact, Peter, our controller is, so all three of them are. But, um, you know, Paulo, when we spin out Swordfish, he's going to be the CEO. He's going to run that. And his focus is going to be on Swordfish. The the you know his role with Sailfish will be diminished and you know the the corresponding um, compensation will will go down. So um, you know we're we're trying to run Sailfish as lean as possible um, because there really isn't a, a need for for much more than what we what we have now.
0: Okay, okay. Um, can we go back to Gavilanes, please? Um, with, with go see precisely where that's at. I think I think you said somewhere there's been a bit of a delay at the moment. Nothing significant. But when when does the, when is there some the next meaningful announcement on that and people get a sense of you know again how you monetize that because that's what that's what you are in the business of doing
1: absolutely so Gavilanis, the gating item for that was the forty three one hundred one report which we updated and released you know we worked with MDA MDA did the resource over at Mako on San Albino that was done by Steve Ruscicelli the resource on Gavilanis was done by Derek Unger who uh, works uh, directly for, for Steve and, and Matt Gray out of Resource Geosciences, the Mexico. Um, so that has been redone. Um, it, what it shows is a, higher, is a smaller tonnage. Um, the ounces actually uh, held up pretty nicely and the grade went way up from what was previously estimated uh, because there was more discrete modeling of the mineralized zones that actually have mineralization that we care about, which is silver. So 85% of the deposit is silver now. And, you know, the lead, zinc, copper, and gold, I love gold. I care a lot about it, but in this deposit, it's primarily a silver deposit. So we focused on the veins that have silver and left everything else for geologic uh, theory, which is where it should be. Um, So that was modeled, uh, you know, in in a much more focused way Um, that resource came out uh, right on time problem is, we have to wait for the exchange to approve this transaction. It's not just going to be Gabilanis. We're going to add a second asset to this new co, which is uh, the Commonwealth Silver and Gold Project in Arizona and Cochise County. And that has a resource that needs to be updated as well. The work is done. Again, it was MDA, this time Steve led the effort on that. And Matt Gray, you know, who's going to be doing the exploration for both um, projects. He's he has offices in Arizona and offices in, in Mexico. So he's the perfect guy to do this. He works for companies like Orla and other um, you know companies operating in, in Northern Mexico, Southern US. So he's perfect, but we are right now waiting for the exchange to um, approve everything, to give comments and feedback so that we can actually execute on this. But from our part, we've we've done everything. There's 243101s ready to go for Gavilanes. It's been posted on Cedar on our website. Commonwealth is owned by Wexford, so it's private. It doesn't have to be posted anywhere until this thing is out out in the open in, the, in a public company. But we've done our part. We're just waiting for uh, the regulators to do
0: their part. Okay. So, you, well done on the 10 million. So, you're 13 million in the bank. The the bit that I think the market wants to understand and, you know, I think you sort of answered a little bit was is, this, is the dividend policy which you're hoping to implement and the, the share buyback plan that you, you, well, you will announce maybe at, at, at some point, is it sustainable? I think based on the numbers that you've said, the answer is no, but you don't mind pressure that, you're, that you put on yourself to have to deliver a solution which makes it sustainable in, a, in the near term. Is is that fair to say? Because if if you don't do anything meaningful in the next two years, it's not sustainable. But your intention is to make sure that you do do something, which can you know increase the the revenues coming in over and above San Albino, and that you will solve that problem.
1: Yeah, and you know I trust the market to be able to to make these decisions itself. So the way that'll work its way out is. Maybe Franco-Nevada's dividend of a percent or 0.8%, whatever it is, is what it is because people are, are assuming they're going to get it for a hundred years. Whereas our dividend yield is, is higher because people are can, are questioning whether it's sustainable or not. I'm okay with that. You know, It's up to us to you know, make it sustainable, to, to take steps, to um, you know add assets, to get a better yield on our, our cash that can allow us to pay that. I think San Albino is going to surprise a lot of people. You know, I had a conversation with uh, Akiba, my partner, the other day about um, you know this new area that we're we're getting ready to start mining called Aras. It's a, it's a vein. So the way that the system in Nicaragua works is that it's a series of stacked veins. So there's one on top of another, and they kind of dip at 30, 35 degrees. They, they, they dip with the, um, the topography of the land. So, when we're mining, for example, right now, we're mining the side of a hill. It's an open pit, but it doesn't look like a pit yet. It looks like we've turned this hill into a, a pyramid, um, you know, because we're mining along with the topography. Uh, as we mine deeper, there, there is going to be a pit that starts to develop, but um, that's the way these veins work, they're stacked on top of each other. And since the resource came out, we have added a number of ounces in this new area, RS, which is a deeper vein, that's going to pull the pit lower, and we're you know we're just we're just figuring these systems out. At Conchitas, which is more of a virgin deposit, San Albino has had a lot of mining even going back to the Spanish times, and and then you know around the turn of the twentieth century in the early nineteen hundreds, you had an industrialist from California named Charles Butters who you know took a, a stamp mill down there and, and had a mine. You know so there's been mining in San Albino. Las Conchitas is more virgin. And it's good and it's bad. It's good because most of the mineralization is still there waiting for us to mine it. It's, it's not as good because we don't have these historical workings to say, okay, well, they were here and they left this behind and this is how the vein dipped. Those voids actually give you a lot of data because they were mined and you can assume that there were veins there that they, that they mined. So we don't have that that's good and bad, but um, we're figuring this system out where we continue to add more now. What I would love is a step change is to be able to tell you, Matt, we found a mother load and it's going to be a million ounces and it's going to allow us to have a mine life for 10 plus years. I don't think that that's ever going to happen at San Albino. It's going to be incremental. Oh, another 50,000 here, another 60,000 there. This new pit has 150 that one, oh, it's the biggest pit that we have. It's going to be a quarter of a million ounces. And you know, but it's going to be scrappy, but huge margins because of the grades and because of our efficiency in mining, you know the, the, the mining costs relative to the strip ratio um, makes this, this project work. And um, I would love to be able to tell people, okay, in, f- in five years' time or in three years' time, San Albino plus Las Conchitas, with the, the, the 3% we have over here and the 2% we have down here, are going to give us all the cash we need to continue paying this dividend at that rate. But we actually don't have the data just yet to be able to do that but we do have a lot of information because we run both companies to know that we're on that path. And so the number we, we picked, we didn't just pull out of our, uh, out of thin air. There's some logic behind it and, and, and yes, it's aggressive. It's, it's a goal, but that's how companies are run. You know, you set goals for yourself. This is just a, a more direct one. You know, we're out there, we're, we're putting our, our, our uh, reputations on the line. We're giving ourselves a couple of years with the cash we have on the balance sheet, which we're comfortable with. And then we'll look if at the end of the day, the dividend has to go to 750000 a quarter or something like that. It's not the end of the world. We did, we did our best. We At least we did this for the benefit of all shareholders. I, I, I was thinking about an analogy this morning when I was on my run that you have de novo companies that get started and they hire all these guys. They're good guys and they're paying themselves a lot of money and they they're going to go out and find assets. Nobody ever said, "Hey, your overhead's now 3 million, 4 million a year, and you've got no revenue. Um, you shouldn't be doing that." You know, so at least we're paying it to shareholders. You know, I think that's a more pure um, way of of um, you know, tackling an issue of of putting pressure on, on to, to grow.
0: It, it, it is. I, th- I think hat was the word you're looking for. You didn't pull the number out of your hat.
1: <laughs> Say that. I just went to thin air. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no. Okay. Well, look. Like, I I, no, I agree with you. With your last point there is at least this isn't. You're 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 not. Um, you know, blowing money by it, with stuff which isn't adding value. At least it is going to shareholders. So yeah, th- that's a positive. Okay. But look, like, I, I think the key thing is you, you've got. Some of the numbers, some of the other numbers you're going, you're going to discover along the way, and it's a problem that you have laid at your own door. You're okay with the pressure of doing that. You've got a couple of years' runway to do so, and that's uh, what I think the market's going to be interested in discovering from you over the next you know, the, the, the next coming months or so. But I uh, just want to say, look, th- thanks for your time today, Cesar, because I, n- I know you're busy. Um, well done on the transaction yesterday. I think that's a, that's a biggie. Uh, stay in touch and let us know how you get on, okay? Thank you, Matt